Hey fam, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company, a podcast about music and Web3 and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm McKeegan Voice. Today I spoke with Woody, aka Super Tight Woody, FKA Woody's Produce. Woody's a content producer and artist who's been making music for over 20 years. His love for music began while listening to his dad play guitar tabs. Music became the dream, and he would achieve that dream. He earned a production credit on an Iggy Azalea track, but the politics of the industry turned him off, so he pivoted and eventually found Web3. We talked about how his involvement in CC0 or Creative Commons projects like CryptoToads and NounStyle led to the creation of NounSounds, a music platform that's focused on providing free-to-use music for creators. NounSounds is challenging some old music industry paradigms around copyright and intellectual property. We talked about all this and more. So hope you enjoyed the conversation. Here we go. All right, Woody. It's uh, GM, great to have GM, you GM, GM. <laughs> GM, indeed. Uh, although I'm in London and it's it's uh, it's not been GM for a few hours now. It's already it's already dark. <laughs> oh man, uh, it is what it is. There that time of year. Um, but yeah, as always, you know, love to start at the, at the beginning. Thanks for being here and um, just to hear a little bit more about your background, where you're from, and how your relationship with music began. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Woody. I go by Super Tight Woody and have previously gone by Woody's Produce. Hmm. Um, I've been making music for probably over 20 years and, uh, you know, been into music my entire life. I love creativity. I tend to have my head in the clouds. And, um, you know, it all, I guess it all started with my dad kind of just playing guitar Hmm. in the other room when I was growing up. And he, you know, had a terrible singing voice. (laughs) But, uh, would just sing all the time, play the guitar all the time. And my dad had and has a very sort of obsessive personality where when he gets into something, he like really dives in and goes for it. Mm. And so uh, he was going through his guitar playing phase when I was growing up. And um, I think I really latched on to that and also kind of garnered a ear for music Mm. through uh, just listening to my dad amongst other things. And so I've just been into music my entire life. And, you know, I decided to make it my life's mission, uh, to be a musician and and be a creative and through being into music and, and doing those sorts of things, it's led me to, um, a successful career in music, but also diving into other avenues of creativity, like content production, uh, animation, doing, you know, movies and all, all sorts of other creative endeavors. So I love music and it's kind of just been my life in a nutshell. Cool. Cool. I love that. A life lived through music. I'm curious when you were growing up and your dad was playing guitar and in the other room, like, you know, was he writing his own music? Was he playing, playing the Beatles? You know, like what kind of stuff were you hearing? Yeah, he was mostly uh, playing tabs from other musicians, mm. playing the Beatles, playing, uh, you know, everybody everybody that he was into at the time. Um, I think he wrote a few original things or he would kind of make up chord progressions, but he never was super serious into the the creation of music. It was more mm. just like learning how to play and um, and having fun with it. Did that inform your own 
your own musical style or, you know, at what point, if not, like at what point do you feel like you started to, you, you know, have your own kind of stylistic approach to what, you know, to the music that you would make eventually? Yeah, um, I think it did. I think it did. I also feel like he was more open to my sort of rebellious phases of music. We know when you're growing up and you're just mm -hmm. like, yo, fuck you, mom and dad. I don't want to listen to country music. I'm going to listen <laughs> to gangster rap, you know, like, uh, so, so I think he was really supportive. Like I remember when I started listening to Nirvana and Green Day and stuff, mm. he was like, oh, let me get the guitar tabs for those and like cool. learn them and play them, you know? So he was very supportive in that. I think that helped a lot in my growth within music. Cause it was just like a, a support layer to be like, Oh, you could do this. You know, it's fun. Keep on doing it. Totally. And did you start playing guitar as well? Or I mean, was your introduction to it through a different instrument? It was, it was through guitar. Um, I definitely took a few guitar lessons, um, growing up, but it was interesting because my dad was a, um, he was a, a physician and so mm -hmm. he would do surgeries and all this other kind of shit. And he actually messed his knee up. And so he couldn't stand for a long time. Uh, and he had to switch careers, right? So he's, he got into computers and IT work and all this other kind of stuff during that same time. Mm -hmm. So he was really into computers, right? He was like building computers. We go cool. to like computer, you know, and this was in the like, mid nineties, I guess, late nineties. Mm. Um, and so we'd go to like computer places and buy a bunch of parts and put together computers. So I think the guitar was definitely a thing for me. It wasn't really, I wasn't super passionate about the guitar, but what I was passionate about was, um, building computers and technology. And mm. I think that that really opened it up. We would go and like, I remember he built me my first computer and you know, there was like a, a really crappy audio recording feature. And I figured out how to like dub it into a multi-track somehow. And then I think I pirated some software, you know, an hmm. early windows or something to mm -hmm. enable multi-track recording. And so I think, you know, from me, like using a cassette recorder and mm -hmm. then like playing it into another cassette recorder and then another cassette recorder and then like into the computer and burning it to a CD. I mm -hmm. think during that time I was learning how to make music, but I think what is interesting is like, I was really into the technology and I think the technology is an instrument in itself. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, especially nowadays. So that, that was an interesting, uh, interesting time to be learning how to make music, but like also how to make music. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah yeah totally so what was the first time that you actually that you actually released music and you put it somewhere that 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 you know it became available to other people and what did that look like oh man when i was in high school um when i was in junior high school i was like super into music but i, I don't think i was creating a lot of music mm. and then when i was in high school i started actually being able to record music on the computer um, and on tapes, actually, like tapes were my first thing. And I would make mm -hmm. these songs and make these beats and pass them out to my friends at school. Um, and then I remember my senior year of high school, I performed at the talent show and I did a rap hmm. and it was like, it was like a big thing. Cause I went to a smaller school. It was a smaller private school in Northern California. And 
like nobody rapped. Like there wasn't really, you know, I was from this like small town in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody was a rapper. Like Eminem was just coming out <laughs> and I was just super into making rap music. And so it was super against the grain, but I performed in the talent show and then I, you know, burned a CD of the music that I had created um, and cassette tapes and stuff like that and distributed those um, amongst my friends and, and students at the school, essentially. Cool. Did those ever, I mean, did they ever find their way online? I don't think so. They mm. might have been on MySpace or something like that back in the day. Um, but I don't, I don't think that part of, thank God, <laughs> I don't think that, <laughs> that part of my, uh, my music creation is, is currently available on the World Wide Web. Okay. Okay. It makes them even more valuable then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you still have that shitty cassette that I burned, <laughs> holler at me. Yeah. So then, you know, how did it progress from there to getting to, you know, this, this introduction to Web3? I mean, this is, you know, a music and Web3 podcast. Like what is the, what is the transition from between that moment you, you know, you burned your rap for the talent show on to CDs and then how did you get from there to, to today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I've always had an innate passion for going against the grain for some reason. Hmm. Um, And I don't know if that's just like, I like the attention of being different or I'm just a weirdo that can't agree with anybody. (laughs) I should probably just go to a therapist and figure that out. (laughs) But I I definitely feel like I was always, uh, I don't even know if it's going against the grain. I would say it's more like trying to do something different or trying to interpret things in my own light and do them the way that I think they should be done. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, from there, I was in a band um, in Northern California with a bunch of my friends and we would perform all over the place. And I kind of realized that I was in a small town. And in order to actually do anything with this, you know, music thing, I would have to go to a big city like Los Angeles. So I ended up moving to Los Angeles interning at a major recording studio called Record Plant in Los Angeles. Mm. And then from there, met a bunch of people, um, worked my ass off, and ended up, you know, kind of dipping my foot in the music industry. And I I wanted to be a music producer. I wanted to produce music for rappers and um, singers and, and musicians in general. And so along my journey to that, I finally got there. I finally made it and I got a placement on a major um a major label album. It was Iggy Azalea, um, her first album that she put out. I produced the track on there. And I hated it. I hated the politics. I really just disliked the fact that something that I was so passionate about kind of turned into this thing that was it felt like work, you know? It felt mm-hmm. like something that it wasn't just making music for the passion anymore. There were so many other elements involved in it that I kind of just fell out of love with that dream once I achieved it, um, mm. which is the weird part of life, you know? Shit like that happens. Yeah. And so I pivoted um, and, you know, bringing it back to Web3 and today, I feel like that attitude and those things that happened um, makes me even more passionate about doing music and creating content in Web3 because mm-hmm. of the different mechanisms, because of the decentralization, because of DAOs. Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons that Web3 can empower musicians and artists that mm-hmm. it just, it, it speaks to me in such a way that 
that I'm excited again. Um, I feel like I felt when I was creating music for the love of it, you know? Yeah. Was there a specific moment when it was, you know, kind of the light bulb moment when you were being exposed to Web3, some sort of decentralized, you know, you know, version of what exists today where you realize that this, this, this could be a game changer for, you know, for music? Um, I think so. I mean, uh, when I first got into Web3 and NFTs, uh, I got in, involved in a project called Cryptodes, which mm-hmm. is um, a CC0 project, meaning that the artwork for Cryptodes is open source, it's copyright free, anybody can use it for anything. In fact, they encourage people to use it for derivative projects and other things. And so my take on it was, I want to take these toads, and they're these little like pixel art toads. They're super funny looking. Um, I want to take these toads and turn them into cartoon characters where Mm. they're rappers, you know, trying to make it in the rap game. Mm. So I, I, I took a few of the toads, cryptodes that I own, and made them into these little rapper characters and created a bunch of rap songs for the cryptos community. And, you know, people seem to love them. Um, And that's when it kind of hit me was like, Oh wow. Like this thing that's being used for artwork and for, you know, different things can really be utilized for music. Um, Mm -hmm. The blockchain has a, a magnificent potential to affect all industries. But I think music is, uniquely positioned, um, especially with all of the different copyrights and all of the different, you know, who worked on the song and, and this and that. I think the the business model of the music industry can be severely disrupted through the blockchain and through Web3 technologies. And so that's when it kind of hit me was like, wow, you know, this thing could be um, and should be really, right? Um, sort of a disruptor for the industry. And then that triggered my uh, my trauma or whatever you want to call it <laughs> from like going against the grain and trying to do something different. And was like, wow, like I, I should really take a step back and think about, you know, how, how music can be affected by this whole thing. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about, you know, the CC zero, the creative commons, um, and you know, how you see the relationship between creative commons and web three, uh, because creative commons has been around for some time and, and, um, doesn't explicitly need to be, you know, be associated with the blockchain. I'm curious how, how you see those two things aligning. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting experiment. I think it's an experiment for sure. Mm. But the, the idea behind it is you create something and you release it to the world as an NFT, right? Mm. So this NFT is on the blockchain. You can prove that you own the original, the quote unquote original work of this CC zero thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you encourage people to use it in the case of music, you know, hey, go remix this, use my loops, sample it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. In the case of cryptodes or nouns um, or MFers or any other CC zero project, go out and make memes with this thing and use it for your company logos or anything you want to. And the proliferation or the marketing of those assets then adds value back to the original, right? Mm -hmm. So if you could own the first Nike swoosh that was written on paper, you know, the first concept of the Coca-Cola logo 
that was mm-hmm. drafted by the the artist who created it or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of look at it like that. Like all the derivative works of of that thing then add value back to the original project and add attention back to the original project. So it's kind of like this this thing where it encompasses marketing and encompasses all these different things by allowing the rights to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, and in music, it's 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 really interesting. You know, somebody sent me an article yesterday, actually. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but they talk about reggae music and how there was really no copyright law back in the day when they were creating all this reggae music in mm-hmm. Jamaica. And they there was an article about it on how that reason, like that's the reason that it evolved so quickly mm-hmm. because there was really no restriction on what you could do, right? If you were, if you heard a song, you were inspired by it, you could recreate it, put your little spin on it with no strings attached. And mm-hmm. I think there's something really powerful there, right? Mm-hmm. The, the downside of CC0, obviously, is there is no rights to the creator in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. There's different forms of CC0, but I tend to lean on the, the ultimate do whatever you want. You don't have to ask permission. You don't have to give me credit. Just here it is, you know, out there, mm-hmm. do whatever mm-hmm. you want with it. I think that's the most powerful one because it unleashes the the most potential for proliferation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the copyright thing is is how artists live and die, right? Like right. you license something for television, you get paid for it. Um, people can can stream the music you own the rights to that you get the streaming revenues and all those sorts of things so it it is an interesting um again i think it's an interesting new experiment but i also do think that there is value in being an artist that creates those sort of things um i don't think there's value in creating those sorts of things all the time but if you're a musician for example and you create one CC zero song um, or a loop or something like that. And you get paid up front and, you know, it ends up taking off. I think it still adds a lot of value to your brand, to, to a bunch of different uh, things that can help you still grow a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I mean, it's really interesting. Um, to imagine this approach and how it might work into, um, you know, like a music release campaign, you know, exploring this as another mechanism that can be used. <clears throat> and I'm curious, well, first, would love to hear more about, you know, your project Noun Sounds and, uh, you, you know, your involvement with NounsDAO and, you know, how you, you came to spin out Noun Sounds and the music that you're creating through there and what the vision is for that. Yeah, so speaking of CC0, <laughs> uh, Nouns is another project. Um, it is a DAO, NFT project, which means that it's a decentralized autonomous organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so a noun, which is a little character uh, that has square glasses, it's all pixel art. A noun is created every day and auctioned off. Um, and the money from the auction goes into a treasury where if you own a noun, you can propose how to spend the money from the treasury. You can put up proposals and you can also vote on proposals. And so 
if you own one of these nouns, you know, you could put up a proposal to build a new website that might be, you know, some cutting edge technology. Uh, you could do in real life events. You know, they've done a bunch of common good acts of goodness, like beach cleanups and clean up your area. And they reward people for, for doing good things. Mm. The, vi- the vibes at nouns are incredible. And so the DAO structure allows them to create a bunch of different projects that, um, you know, create value around nouns. Because if you create all these projects and you do all these things, um, the value goes back to the original project, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also CC0. So like other projects can use the visual assets for nouns. Um, It's a lot to go into, but that's kind of the... (laughs) the surface level explanation of that, of what a DAO is and what nouns are. Um, And so as a musician, when I got into nouns, um, I proposed a nouns DAO that we do something called noun sounds, which is a CC0 music and audio library for the nouns ecosystem. Um, And for everybody really, right? Because it's CC0. So Mm -hmm. all the music on noun sounds is free to use, um, you could sample it, you could flip it, reverse it, put your thing down. Uh, you know, there's sound effects for apps and games, there's stings, there's full songs, there's instrumentals, there's acapellas, there's all kinds of stuff. And the goal was to create this library, um, cause people just have a hard time finding audio, right? Like if you're a content creator, it's really hard to find sound effects or, uh, music or loops or whatever it is to create multimedia. So if you're a YouTuber, you're making a TikTok video, you're creating an app, you're creating a game. It's it's hard, you know, it's not hard to find them, but like usually you have to license the things or there's some sort of weird attribution clause where you have mm-hmm. to, you know, credit the platform or it, it's just kind of sticky, right? And mm-hmm. so by creating something that's CC0 and just open open source and do whatever you want kind of a vibe it's it's a really powerful tool for not only the nouns community but to help proliferate nouns as a brand outwards um and so that's kind of the proposition currently with noun sounds right was to create this this platform where anybody can can access these audio assets as needed and then there's a thing called the playground which is a randomly generated um, loop-based sequencer where it's it's very user-friendly and you can go there and click a few buttons and export a beat that you created. So it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but there's just a bunch of random loops that fit together and you can select them and export your audio and then use that creation however you want to. So it's... Um, I, th- I think it's the start of something really beautiful and amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to continue to to build noun sounds out into something that's uh, hopefully, you know, turns into a DAO itself mm-hmm. and gets more community members and artists and musicians involved in the whole process. Cool. I love that. So what was the response from the community when you initially proposed it? It was really good. It was really positive. Um, you know, I'm I'm a pretty active community member in nouns i'm i'm pretty much full time wow you know between making music and making content and doing noun stuff i'm i'm around all the time and so i've been involved in a few different nouns 
projects and and nouns initiatives. And so when I when I created the proposal for noun sounds, the response was great. I don't think we got one no vote on the proposal. I think it was like a hundred and something to zero all in favor of the prop. Um, and so I think it's it's a needed thing. It mm-hmm. is definitely was a needed thing. And um, you know, we're gearing up to do our next proposal in the coming month. So super excited about that. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was going through it and it's really, you know, it's really fascinating, I think, what you're building. Um and you've got quite a bit of music on it. I'm curious what your attachment is to that music. If you like think about that music in a different way than you might uh that you're creating not or that you that you're not making available through CC Zero and and like what the uptake, you know, has been of nonsense. How, you know, have you already seen people in the community using it? If so, how? You know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had a, a beta version up of the website uh, about a month ago, and there was people that you couldn't export the audio yet. <laughs> it was like very limited. And mm-hmm. so there was people actually doing screen recordings of the website just to get the audio to rip cool. it, to be able to use in a in their podcast and in their uh, you know YouTube video and stuff like that. So the demand, I think, was definitely there. And mm-hmm. I definitely feel like it's a needed thing. And uh, people are just, yeah, they're eating it up, loving it. That's amazing. And yeah, congratulations. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, yeah. and as far as my, my attachment to the songs, like, I, you know, I have a really weird way of looking at music and looking at copyright and looking at all these different things. I don't know why. I really <laughs> don't know why. You know, I, I should have just—I should just shut up and do my traditional uh, music industry stuff and just be a successful no, musician. No, that's less interesting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, I—I I feel like it's an interesting time in music, right? Especially if you look at something like AI, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what does it actually take you to make music? And I, I think that like being a successful musician has changed so drastically over the past 10, 20 years, where it used to be you had to go to a professional recording studio and do A, B, C, D, and E, get a full band, get all this equipment, you know, hire a recording engineer. There was, it was so expensive. It was so difficult. And with the advent of computers, you know, making music on computers, I, I went to recording school uh, in San Francisco after Mm. high school and they kept drilling in my head, like, Hey, you have to use how to learn how to use this tape machine, you know, mm. this like big ass recording studio tape machine. And they would teach us how to unravel the tape and connect it and, you know, loop it up and stuff like that and, and calibrate it. It was just the most difficult process. And like I said earlier, I was making these computers with my dad mm-hmm. and I was like, well, why do I need to learn this bullshit? Like, dude, <laughs> dude like we're going to be recording on computers. Why would you ever want to? use this tape machine thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I could just see it. And so, um, I, I guess, you know, my whole thesis on music itself is like, you should be able to make some sort of music and it it should be really easy for you to do if you're a professional musician, right? Like if you do it for a hobby, that's fine. You know, people, or, or you want to take your time on a specific project and really, you know, hone in and do a bunch of mushrooms or whatever your vibe is, right? Like spend time and make it like a real crazy project. Like mm-hmm. that's really cool. And I think those things should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like it's so easy to make music that like 
you sh- you should just be able to do it, right? And so I've done a few projects in the past where me and my friend would make an entire album in like a week or mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm I'm making a, a, a song a day for nouns and releasing them as like digital, you know, these little uh, things called POAPs, which are mm-hmm. um, proof of participation, little NFT tokens. And so that's my thesis on music is like, I'm not very precious with most of my creations because I've been mm-hmm. doing it for so long. It's like second nature. And I right. feel like, that should be more of a mentality for people and not everybody, but looking at it from a CC zero standpoint, um, I don't really have too much of an attachment to the music that I've made for cryptodes and noun, noun sounds and nouns. Not mm-hmm. that I don't enjoy it or enjoy the process of making it. I just feel like the business model, quote unquote, for me is like, make a bunch of cool shit, develop a brand, you know, and then people will start coming to me or coming mm-hmm. to you or whoever is is building on noun sounds in the future. Um, you're, you're almost just marketing yourself in a way, you know, and, and, and stuff, good stuff will come from that. Right. I'm curious, um, maybe because I love that perspective and I think that's, you know, something the internet has obviously offered is just this, this hugely increased access uh, you know, to everyone, anyone who wants to make music or do many other things can do it, you know, with relative ease, whether you're, you're a professional or you're a hobbyist. And, you know, one of the ramifications of, of that has been, you know, there's just a shit ton of music and it's, it can be hard to cut through the noise when you look at, you know, things like Spotify having, you know, 60,000 songs being uploaded every single day you know, thinking about curation becomes really important. And I'm curious what your high level thesis on curation is and how you see that being applied to non-sounds in the future. <laughs> that is a fantastic question <laughs> and a very interesting timed question because actually yesterday uh, I was talking to Papaya, who I, is my partner in building non-sounds. He, he handles mm-hmm. all the, the tech stuff and the, the dev side of things. And we were kind of just spitballing about our next proposal and, and the things that we should be focusing on. And I was like, you know, curation is mintable. Like curation is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, ideas are valuable. And so these things, um, we, we were thinking about all of that, all that stuff in, in noun sounds. And like, if you could connect it to Spotify and like your streaming services and Bandcamp and SoundCloud and somehow curate things. And, and instead of like minting the music, you could mint the creation of the, the, the playlist, right? Mm-hmm. Or the vibe. So you could mm-hmm. mint the collection of like links that go to the, the platforms to quote unquote legally play all these songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the curation of it and the building of it is like the thing that you mint in the token, uh, you know, with custom artwork or whatever you want to do. But that is a very, very good point. And with the advent of AI, I mean, you look at all these lo-fi hip-hop channels and uh, and that sort of thing on YouTube, which I love. I think uh, AI is going to emulate a lot of that stuff. You're just going to be able to kind of plug and play whatever genre you want. And the thing that becomes valuable in the future is curation, is brand, is, you know... 
uh, it, it almost goes back to CDs where you're like looking forward to your favorite artist releasing a CD that you can listen to from front to back and look at the artwork and all that sort of thing. Right. I always have this quasi dystopian, you know, fear that that AI will replace, you know, humans to a certain extent in, you know, the creation of art and, you know, especially thinking about some of the, you know, some of the incentive mechanisms in places like Web2 where, you know, if there is, if Spotify can create catalogs of AI generated music that sounds pretty much the same <laughs> as uh, humans and create algorithms around that, then they don't have to pay out artists as much. And there's this, these, you know, kind of dystopian threads that go through my mind, and I know, you know some other people, and I'm curious um, if you have a less dystopian, you know, perspective on how, how AI will play a role in music. I think it's just a tool. I, I think with mm -hmm. any sort of thing, uh, any sort of technology, it's just going to enhance the way that we can create music. I think it'll make it easier for people to make music. It'll make it's easier for you to say, you know, sample things. When you can type mm -hmm. into AI, like uh, make an old school 1970s drum beat that sounds like disco that uses this kick, snare, hi-hat, and ride cymbal. And it's, you know, mm -hmm. at this beat per minute, beats per minute, and it spits something out that's usable um, opposed to having to go to an old vinyl record and sampling it and worrying about copyright infringement and those sorts of things, I think that's more kind of the thing that we're going to see rather than it just replacing everybody. Like, like I, I think that is a very dystopian way of looking at it. I think <laughs> we're always, we're always going to want a human connection with the, with the music that we love, right? Whether it's the unique lyrics or the unique take on sound. Uh, I think that's, the core of why people listen to music. There's obviously the energy of the music and that sort of thing, but there's always a brand and a human connection associated with it. Um, and, I, and I also think that it's like the reason that you listen to music, right? A lot of this lo-fi hip hop stuff, or I, I would even call that stuff kind of generated music. It's like a trend that everybody jumped on and they use the same samples and the same little loops and the same, it all sounds the same. That's why you could just put it on for 24 hours a day. And it's just like background music. Right. Uh, and, and so it goes back to elevator music, you know, like mm -hmm. was elevator music bad? Like, no, it's not that bad. Like you could just put it on and it's not infringing on your thought process or your, what you're trying to do, but it's, it's there and it's, it has a utility to it. Um, and I think that's where AI kind of steps in. Like, hey, put on some hip hop for me. Hey, you know, put on some meditation music or whatever. But I think that the the core of being a musician in these these times is like building your brand and mm -hmm. having a connection with your community that surpasses just the music. You know, it's going to have to be your artwork, the way that you think about things. People are going to have to like you as a person almost. Um, and connect with you more than they just connect with your music in the future. Right, right. Yeah, no, I guess that's, you know, certainly less, you know, less dystopian. I'm definitely more into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, when I think about music, I just have like this Black Mirror episode playing in my head or something. You know, with things like elevator music, with, with like ambient music and Brian Eno and, uh, you know, all that stuff is, 
is great. It's definitely not bad. And and I guess my concern is more rooted in just seeing this, you know, platformization of content that kind of has slowly abstracted away the context of who's behind the music. And you know, the reason I like like music for airports is one, the music, but also like, you know, all of the conceptual information that is attached to Brian Eno that, you know, his intention for the music and, and losing that, I think decreases, you know, the connection, you know, the connective tissue that we have with the humans, you know, that you were talking about. Yeah. Plus I don't, I don't think AI can really experiment like that. You know, I, I think some of the most progressive and popular musicians are popular musicians because they push the envelope in some way, shape or form or their music or art, I mean, just art in general, right? Like people like right. art because it's a topic of discussion. There's controversy about it. There's opinions about it. It makes you feel a certain way. And I think that AI can get to a point where it's close, but it's just emulating other things that are out there. You know, it's not really creating anything groundbreaking. It's just what you put into this AI thing, mm -hmm. um, at least in its current form is like, that's what it's spitting out. So I, I don't think that, at least anytime soon, that it's going <laughs> to be replacing humans, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my hope too. And then every once in a while I'll talk to somebody who's like, at least for the next few years, that won't happen. It's like, a few years isn't that, isn't that much time. Yeah, but think of your favorite musician or something. Yeah, you mentioned Brian Eno, right? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I would argue that his stuff for an AI is probably pretty easy to make right totally. it's all just weird and it's ambient and it's all over the place and there's all kinds of crazy shit that he does but it's the reason that you connect with it is because of that purpose that he has behind it because of him right you know yeah totally as long as you know as long as there's still brian Eno there behind the music that's 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 absolutely true i think and and you know Eno's an example of someone who's like used technology to inform his you know his output for a long time so I, you know i definitely hear you and think that there is definitely a place there to have you know have a relationship with machines in helping us like what you were saying about uh you know as an input just like give me a whatever 70 synth that sounds like this artist from this and this and this and this and then using that you know as a building block i think that's really cool yeah and and i think ai if anything will be a competition um for musicians to take it that next step further, you know, to focus mm. more on their on their career and to go in even deeper. They say that that competition, you know, makes makes all boats rise kind of mm. a thing. And I think that's the case where if you're a, a a good musician or you make mediocre kind of music, you might get kind of washed out with this AI thing. But if you're down to experiment and you're down to be uh to put yourself out there and make videos and, uh, you know, really be vulnerable to the world. I think that that is the thing that's going to really, really separate people in the future. Yeah, no, that's an interesting perspective. You know, you mentioned earlier, just uh, coming back to noun sounds, the, that you're already thinking about what the next versions of this might look like. And I'm curious, one, how might someone get involved in the project today? And then, and then two, to see, you know, hear where your mind's at in terms of what, what the next iteration of this could look like. Yeah, we've, we've been really thinking about this a lot. And uh, essentially, and this is some alpha because I haven't really talked about this at all, but <laughs> cool. we, we really want to make a music pod. You know, we want to empower musicians 
through mm-hmm. the tools that we have. We want to create new tools for musicians. Um, and we want to build a community around music and people that love music and people that love audio. And so how, how do we do that in Web3, right? Uh, I really think that we want to create a DAO that can fund projects. So like having someone be able to buy these noun sounds NFT tokens, similar to how nouns works. Um, you would buy one at an auction every day. There'd be an auction for a noun sounds NFT. The money from that sale every day would go into a treasury. And by owning a token, you can partake in, in what happens with the treasury, right? You can vote, you can put up proposals. And so if you could, you know, as a musician or a music lover, if you could buy these tokens and support artists. And then by owning one of these tokens, you have access to, you know, a Discord channel or a a certain access portal where you can talk to these musicians. You can, you know, be involved in their creation process. You can see the things that they're doing and and what what problems they're running into and, you know, uh, all, all the different things that come with creating music. If you could be a part of that process, as a community member and as a musician, you could have tools to access to involve the community in mm. what you're doing while you're creating music. We feel that that's just a really powerful thing um, overall. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the main initiatives is empowering uh, empowering musicians through nouns and through Web3 and through technology. And then also, you know, how can we give back to the community how can we get involved with nonprofits or organizations that help, you know, educate people on music? Can we, can we just basically just be a hub that does good for the the music community and receive love and attention and, and support back from the music community? I think that's the, really the beautiful thing that we're trying to achieve with Noun Sounds. Hmm. Cool. I love that. And so if I wanted to get involved today, what I have to or is there a way to you know to dive in no anybody can get involved i it's still in it's you know we're still in our baby phase for sure Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. if you go to nounsounds.wtf or you can follow us on twitter at nounsounds we have a discord um you know anyone is is welcome to come and try to add to the melting pot um but we're still figuring out things that that kind of need to be ironed out, right? It's a weird conundrum with the way that the current state of the music industry is versus where we're going with it. Not that we're colliding with it in any form, but mm-hmm. you know, if you wanted to contribute to Noun Sounds and create CC0 music, like we need to make sure that we own, or, or not even we own, we need to make sure that nobody owns the copyright <laughs> to the music, right? So we need to get mm-hmm. lawyers to draft things up we need to make sure that people aren't just anonymously submitting music to noun sounds right. where we could potentially run into a copyright issue in the future. And so there are processes that we're trying to figure out as far mm-hmm. as how to pave the road for other people to get involved. Because currently it's just me, right? And I'm just like, oh yeah, do whatever you want. It's fine. I don't care. Like there is mm-hmm. no worry about anything. But, um, you know, those are the things that we're trying to figure out to uh to open it up to everybody but once we do once we unlock it i really feel like it's a it's a powerful tool to say hey like big recording artist you know we can pay you <laughs> this amount of money 
to make a CC0 song. And they're like, what is a CC0 song? And you're like, oh, you don't own anything, but we're going to pay you all this money, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then it goes to like an indie artist level where it's like, hey, we can support your recording time and all these things and not, not necessarily even own the, uh, you know, you don't have to make your music CC0, but we're going to make a little documentary and we're going to make like a Noun Sounds music pack that's free for everybody, but you get to like own your, your music. Um, and then another thing is like a bedroom producer, uh, another level I should say is like a bedroom producer who just does it for fun and is maybe trying to, you know, take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. They could come to Noun Sounds and potentially go through a, a prop house round, which is where, uh, you know, you can put up your music and the community votes on what gets funded through this, this round of mm-hmm. a certain amount of ETH. And like, you could get two ETH for a beat that you might not have got paid anything for. And right. that might help you buy a new computer to like make your album that then right. progresses your career or or whatever, you know? I think there's there's just so many different ways to look at it. It's so elastic that uh, it's it's really exciting to think of the potential that Noun Sounds has. Yeah. Yeah, no, that all sounds really amazing. I love that word elastic. It feels appropriate. It feels like Web3 in general right now is just, there's so many different exciting directions that that can, you know, this can take and all these tools and, and new applications that are being born that that are really exciting. So congratulations and, you know, good on, on you for, I mean, this sounds like a really cool project and, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how it grows. Yeah, thanks so much. Cool, Woody. I, I just have one more question for you and I ask everybody this. Not everybody yeah. loves this question, but i am put you on the spot a little bit. You're going to a desert island. You get to bring three albums with you. What are they? That's a really good question. I would say uh, Outcast, uh, nice. AC Aliens, or Atlians. Um, that was their second album, which cool. I love. Um, it was very experimental and amazing. Paved a lot of the weird pathways in my brain that <laughs> meld hip-hop to other genres. Uh, the second one would probably be the 1975 self-titled album. Mm. And the third one, oh man, this is a tough question, dude. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Whatever comes to your head, there's no... The I mean, third this is one would probably question. be some ambient music. Uh, I feel like ambient music is something that is highly underrated and I don't have a specific album. Like I have a playlist that I listen to on Spotify. My good friend uh, Shiva Rasa makes a bunch of amazing meditation music and guided meditations cool. but that's probably the last uh, i guess playlist or album that i would bring um i think that ambient music is so underrated uh it's just so nurturing and mm-hmm. uh and helpful in your daily life and so that's, that's those are probably the three cool i love that yeah i mean especially if you're alone on a desert island it's gonna need some you know, some emotional well-being Chill vibes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly um Cool, man. Good answer. Um, but Woody, thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. And, you know, wish you all the best in Noun Sounds. Everybody's listening. Go get involved. Yeah. Thanks so much, Keegan. All right. That's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media. And you can visit us at decentral.io and remember, only you can prevent and fend off Big Brother.